why do I want to do this, do this podcast with you? Because yeah. you do some controversial things and I don't know whether you see them as controversial, but some of the things I look at, I think, or some of the things you might say, sometimes they make me feel a little bit uncomfortable and I think you quite like that. You can be quite controversial. Right. So, I don't so know. it could be damaged goods for some people, is that what you mean? It comes down to... Like By the I, way, I like honesty. No, no, so, we're going to be honest, yeah, right? Yeah. Absolutely, and you um, know that I'm like that as yeah, well. I, I hope I, you do. Yeah. Um, no, and, and this is why I'm being honest. I'm saying, mm. well, you know, my my first thoughts were, well, a, why me? Like, why are you asking me to do this when you do all the things that you do? And b, it, why do I want to do this? Like, why would I want to come and do this podcast with you? Because yeah. you do some controversial things, and I don't know whether you see them as controversial, but. Some of the things I look at, I think, or some of the things you might say, mm. um, sometimes they make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. And I think you quite like that. I don't know <laughs> that you make people feel a bit like that. And so, so for me, yeah, it was just like, do I really want to do this? And then I, I had a conversation with Harry and I just said, I don't really want to just talk about all that money stuff and entrepreneurship mm. because there is so much of that out in the world of you you know, your podcast and YouTube that's everywhere, mm. you know, can we just maybe talk some about some other things? If, if, we, if we can, then yeah, I'll happily do it. Because yeah. um, obviously my, my podcast, It Starts With You, is, is about having those real conversations and keeping it real. Yeah. Uh, and but isn't that what I'm doing? Well, <laughs> maybe that's where <laughs> if, we're if, going. If, so, if someone is deemed to be controversial, Maybe they're keeping it real. Mm, maybe. Yeah. It's well, funny because we were talking earlier and um, obviously there's a lot of shit going on in the world. And, you know, you've, your podcast, what, how many episodes have you done? Over 100? Yeah. So, you know, why you? Well, obviously we've known each other for years. Mm. Um, but, you know, most podcasts don't last. Mm. I told you, didn't I? 21 episodes on yeah. average per podcast. Um, you know, I, I don't mind being open about my mission and goals. I want to help as many people on this planet get better financial education and knowledge. And if I have to go on every single podcast and stand at every single bus stop and do what it takes to do that, I'll do that. So mm. I'm not really a sort of like, oh, well, sorry, you're not a celebrity. Mm. We can't talk. Um, obviously, you have to, you've only got a certain amount of time. So people are always reaching out to me to be on podcasts, but they're, they're just starting out or they've done 20 episodes. And we, we have a little bit of a criteria. But no, I'm on a mission um, to get out there and change how people view money. Well, so why is that important to you? Sorry, I'll cut you off. Karen. No, it's all right. Yeah, so that's why you. Hmm. Um, I, I'm not really a, like, you, you know, you have to value your time and you have to be selective. But I'm not really a, oh, you know, I'm a successful podcaster and, you, and you're not worthy. And just, it's just not really my vibe. Hmm. Um, we'll just do stuff and try stuff. And if there's a good conversation to be had or an interesting person to meet, you know, or, or a reasonable podcast, even if it isn't Joe Rogan, we're going to give it a go because mm. that's what's made me successful. And that's kind of um, my attitude. Yeah. So, so that's why you. And then you had a question there. You were going yeah, no, I was just saying, why is that important to you? Because you say like, oh, OK, I want to get on as many podcasts as I can mm. and share my message about money and, yeah. and wealth and all of that. But like you know, you're successful, or however you, you know, from, in our society, most people looking at you and think Rob's successful, you know, he's got all these businesses, seven businesses, 
best-selling author, all of this, like you're successful, like you know, need to give a shit about my my finance or anybody else's finance. So well, why is you, it? How do you think you? you become successful? You become successful by giving a shit about things and working and making things happen. Hmm. So if I stopped doing all the things that make, made me successful, I would start to unwind and reverse all my success. Okay. Is it because you could stop, right? You could stop right now. Well, well we're in this huge, possibly infinite universe. Mm. And we're on this big planet that's moving at hundreds of thousands of miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we're, there's all these little busy people on it. And I don't think the purpose in life is to do less mm. and go slower. Okay and retire. I just don't see how that's what the universe is. Um, I think it's a, about production, creation, innovation, fixing problems, making shit happen. Because I think all of these things are evolution, you know, mm. are, are our species evolving and becoming more adaptable to the environment. I've retired about seven times, oh, by no. the way. So and a I lot, was down yeah. on my notepad because I remember this is why I'm so, like, well, why are you still going when you've tried to retire yeah, so yeah, many yeah. times? So much so, it's just a running joke with everyone. Here <laughs> Rob goes again. So, you know, I am, I want, you know, to make it clear, in this realm, I'm talking with experience. Mm. Like, I have tried to retire endless times and all that happens to me, I can't speak for everyone, mm. And we're all at different stages and sometimes you have to look after your health and sometimes you have to raise your kids and, you know, but we're all still busy trying to sort something out, whether mm. it's our health or our children or whatever. Um, but each time I did less, I got more and more frustrated, right. more and more itchy, felt more and more empty and useless okay. and not valuable. Mm. Um, so for me, retirement is doing something else, yeah. not not, not doing, doing anything. nothing. Yeah, it yeah. might be to try and take up a hobby, or to start a new business, or to travel the world. But it's still all stuff. Mm. We're designed. You know, I think we're designed to be busy. I think we're designed to to do things, and, and we're not just all designed to exist and be. Mm. And so, yeah. So why do I keep doing this? And why am I bashing out a load yeah. of podcasts? And why have I got this mission? Well, number one. I want to be useful and valuable. Mm. Why? Because I think the more useful and valuable you are, the better your life will be. One. Two, the more useful and valuable you are, the more money you're going to make. And I love money. And I've got, I know you want to talk about other stuff. I'll talk about whatever you want to talk mm. about. But I love money. Um, but in order to make money sustainably and scalably and fairly and ethically and morally, you've got to do good work. Because mm. you can do bad work and make bad money. Mm. We can do good work and make good money. And I'm not a perfect human, but I try and do good work and make good money. Then also, I think you've got to fight for something in your life. And I've, I, I honestly think, and, and again, you control, control the interview. I know I've got to ask your sec, answer your second question, but so much wrong with the world. We're poisoning ourselves. We're killing the planet. The banks and the governments are killing us with debt. Mm. There's so much fucking wrong. So... You know, you, I believe you've got to pick your battles mm -hmm. and stand up and speak out and be strong and be counted. 
And I think this links back to your point about being controversial. Mm. I don't think I'm controversial at all. I think I'm standing up and speaking out for things that are important. But then other people deem that as controversial because maybe it triggers them or maybe... Yeah. Yeah, maybe that... Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, this quite surprises me, I must admit. Like, I talked to someone a couple of weeks ago. She's got done a couple of hundred episodes. And she's basically like, oh, well, you know, I was thinking about maybe not interviewing you because, you know, you've inter- interviewed Andrew Tate. And there's all this judgment. Yeah. It's like, you, look, we ended up getting on, on well, but there's all this judgment. Like, she doesn't even know me. Mm. And, and so, yeah, the whole controversial thing fascinates me. Yeah, and I, look, I... You know, somebody's got to interview these people and there is always two sides to every coin, right? There's a paradox for everything. There's Ooh. a dark and a light. And, I, yeah. and of course, people are fascinated by that. You know, someone who's super controversial. Um, so, it, I, you know, we are drawn to that because we want to know how these people tick. Well, yeah. I do. I, you know, there is a bit, there is always an element of curiosity around these people. It's like, well, you know, because we just get to see a bit of fake news generally. Yeah. And we don't really get to see what the essence is behind it. And that, and, and I think... But I think for you, like, in your world, you're really well-known. Like, you know, you are really well-known, whether, you know, you know that. Um, And I think a lot of people always want to know what's behind that, because I think, and I asked a couple of people, it's like, oh, I'm going to go and speak to Rob Moore, what do you think about Rob, and, you know, what should I ask him, and they were like, "Uh, uh, uh," you know, I could share some of that, you know. Yeah, go on, do. (laughs) Do. One of my friends is like, oh, he's a dickhead, and I'm like, okay. This friend, I guess, doesn't know me. Well, I don't know. Not, not, no, I guess I don't know. No. That, that, uh, somebody I mean, else they said... they met me, spent time with me? Probably not. No. Probably not. That's fine, by the way, but... Yeah. No, but, you know, obviously, and I'm being honest. Yeah. And, um, you know, somebody else said, oh, I, I see him as a bit arrogant. Is he? And I'm like, well, I don't know him super well. I've known him a long time, but I don't know him super well. Oh, he's <laughs> and he's arrogant. <laughs> um, no, they, the, you know, somebody did say, oh, I think he's a bit arrogant. And, and I guess... In, in the world that you're in, and you know, like I've seen you walk in a room of lots of people, and lots of people are really happy to see you. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's Rob Moore, is it coming in the room? Mm. It's sort of like, and you come in with this air of um, confidence. Mm. Uh, you're quite charismatic. You look, you have never been anything other than kind to me. So mm. this is not me yeah, bashing no, Rob Moore. This, like, is, this is us having a good conversation. Yeah. I like this kind of stuff. People dance around stuff. Yeah, no, I like, and that's why yeah. I said to Harry, can I say what I want to say? Yeah. So. You know, for me, like like I said, yeah, you've always been kind to me. I, you know, I remember once sitting in my car crying and you're like trying to support me and we had a really good conversation and you really, really kind of helped me think, no, actually I can be a really good coach. Like mm. I can go and do what I want to do. So, but I don't know you super well. Mm. Um, and I see I see, see what I guess some other people see. But I think it's just what, what lies behind that. Is that really you? Like, you know, when you... Is there like this persona? Like I know, and you'll say you'll keep it. You, you know, it's all real, whatever. But is there? Does there have to be an element of a persona when you, you know, you walk in a room, lots of people paid money to come and see you and hear you talk or do a boxing match or whatever it is you're doing, um, stand on a stage or come to one of your courses and you're leading that course? Is there an? Is there like a, almost like that persona, like an air, like a? I, I guess there has to be. For me, they'll feel like there has to be because it's. It's almost like you're you're acting, you're on stage, and people want a bit of a show. Mm. Yeah. So, if I were to honestly evaluate mm. how I show up to the world, if this is what you're essentially asking me, I would say I am 
87.5% authentic and real, and what you see is what you get, and me on the stage is me off the stage. Right. I would say about 10% is I've learned to public speak. Of course. I'm, like you said, I've, I'm, I'm there to put on a show. Mm. So you can't just take it for granted. Oh, all right, thousands of people, I'm just going to be myself today. You know, yeah. that's, that's arrogant. Mm. If you think about what arrogance really is, because it's complacent and that's arrogant. So there's certainly at least 10% where, you know, I've learned to speak well. I've learned to, learned to hold an audience. I've learned to carry myself. I've learned to tell jokes. Mm. I've learned to, to put on a show. And then there's this really small bit, which is a mix of, well, I'm just sort of winging it, doing what I can. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just a, a little boy trying to get ahead in the world and, you know, be noticed and loved and valued. Yeah. And, and there's this all mix. And, and do you know what? When I started, it, all the, the, you know, it would have been 87%. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a little bit, of, you know, and, and, and your brand and who you are is that the ingredients mm. but not just what the ingredients are how much of the ingredients you put in and over the years as i've got more confident and i've got better results mm. the this is me this is who i am has increased mm. so for example when you see me speak uh, there's no pomp and pageantry uh, what's your intro music don't care uh, where are your slides don't have them what do you need a bar stool mm. And you know, you do these shows and there's the lights and the glitz and the PowerPoint and the music and all that. And I get it all, but a lot of that is covering up. Right. You know, you see great comedians, what do they need? A microphone. They walk up to the microphone, they grab it, they move the stand over there and they speak. Mm. And that's hard. So that's what's happened over the years. And, and if people are gonna call me arrogant for that, I would just say, well, um, maybe there's, some judgment and some things about yourself that, that you're Always. harboring. Because this is one of the things that's wrong with the world, is we judge so much without really seeking to understand. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, by the way. And, and so everyone's allowed an opinion. Of by course. the way, when you're in my position, everyone's got There's an opinion. There's a lot of them, yeah. And you have, to, you, know, you, have, you have to accept that you get a lot of that. But generally, the whole, you know, Rob Moore's a dick, Rob Moore's arrogant it's generally from people who are struggling or they're lost or they don't know what they want and 95 percent of the time because obviously i fall out with people and shit happens but 95 percent of the time it's from people who haven't even met me mm. and, and it's on social media where algorithms are manipulating what's going on and oh here's the thing as well TikTok wants shorts right let's cut 10 seconds rob more wow 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 it's not the real Rob Moore. Mm. It's AI and TikTok creating all this stuff that grabs your attention. Mm. So this is why I love long form content. This is why we have a studio. This is why I do this. Because you can't deny who someone is when you spend hours with them. Mm. But you can judge them when you get 10 second TikToks and things pop up. But incidentally, when you don't want to see them. Because mm. people maybe don't necessarily even think I'm arrogant. They're just like, I don't want to see this shit now. Who's this twat? <laughs> You know, the amount of times I'm scrolling on social, I'm like, I don't want to see you, you twat. And, and I don't, I get triggered by guys. Some of these big American ex-military gurus who are shouting at their orders and, ah, I fucking hate that. But all I'm getting fed is 10 seconds yeah. of that. I don't actually know these guys. And they might be kind and caring and, 
You know, Dan Pena, you know, the C-bomb every other word, and you're fed all this, but you don't really know the man. No, and, but does it, like, okay, that, look, I've just, a handful of people, like, it's not like I've gone out and done a poll about Rob Moore. It doesn't matter, you'll probably get 51.49. <laughs> but does it, but how does that, you know, how does that make you feel? I like, could not give but, a fuck. But genuinely, I could, could I you? genuinely could not give a but fuck. But I don't know, I just feel like you, there must be a bit of you that's like, yeah, well, do you like you defended seventeen it? years ago? I couldn't handle any conflict. Right. I would avoid conflict from anyone. Mm. Um, you know, a little um, on social media would have really upset me to the core because I was lost, didn't know who I am, I was confused. You know, the world had beat me down. I didn't have control of my life. But the more I've got control of my life, and the more I'm on a mission, mm. and the more I I know who I am. Because I think, look, we can talk about self-worth and things, but I think there's self-awareness. And I think self-awareness is, I know what I am. Mm. I'm good at this, I'm not good at that. This is good about me, this isn't. I'm smart here, I'm stupid here. Mm. This is self-awareness. And I think when you're really self-aware, it doesn't really matter what anyone says. Because mm. if they say, ah, about Rob, half the time I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. I'm disorganised, I'm this, I'm that. Mm. Um, and, and also, you say really good things, where I'm like, well, I already know that. Yeah, yeah. So the more self-aware you become, the less these things bother you, because people are just telling you shit you already know. Yeah, absolutely. Look, self, there's no personal growth in my book without, self, uh, right. without self-awareness. If you don't go and do the work of self-awareness, you're fucking yeah. screwed. Yeah, yeah. Like, you really, you're not going to grow. Uh, you're just going to stay stuck where yeah. you are. So it's absolutely crucial. So, yeah, I, you know, I don't disagree with you. And the whole curiosity piece like we do judge people like mm. uh, and I you know I'm no different we have this bias like we do we walk in a room like oh I don't like you you're a bit odd you're yeah. we do it right it's just natural human nature but the one thing that we all need to learn to be is a bit more curious about one another mm. and that's why when you interview interview sort of you know controversial people is that you maybe get a little bit more curious about them and maybe you're going to find out a little bit more about them. Which is why when Harry said to me, oh, do you want to do this? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, even though I know you a little bit, like I said, I don't know what lies beneath. And mm. sometimes I feel a bit like, and I, I feel like a little bit triggered by that. And that's not about you. You're absolutely right. It's not fucking about you. It's about me. It's about, well, why does that trigger me? Why mm. does that make me feel uncomfortable? Um, and so... Yeah, when, when, when I obviously had that conversation, I'm like, well, if I can ask what I like, then actually that's me. I'm doing better because actually yeah. I'm just trying to be curious and find out what makes Rob tick, who Rob really is, rather than come here and ask all the same questions about money and yeah. how we make money and whatever. It's so it's like, it's not to say I don't like you. Like I, don't, like I, I know you, you've always been really kind to me, but it's like, I don't really know you. So mm. if I want to know a little bit more about who you are and how, what makes you tick, I'm pretty sure there's loads of people out there who follow you. You know, you've got, you've got millions of views on all your t on your YouTube and everywhere. Like, there are gonna be like other people that want to know those things because that's life, right? When we've got someone who's got kind of a celebrity status, if you want to call it that, C-list. <laughs> Again, I, know I was what thinking I am. about F, but yeah. you know, you go. Wait a minute, self-awareness. <laughs> but whatever, wherever you want to call, put yourself on that list. We are curious about what what this person is really like. Yeah. You know, like their personal life, their uh, you know, whatever it is you do outside of this and who you really are. Like, because I know that you've had therapy and that's something you've mm. spoken about. I've been in a room when you've spoken a little bit about that. And what, 
what led you to go and have therapy? Because it wasn't that long ago, was it? Was it during? I'm trying to think when it was. I saw you. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it was just before and then during lockdown. Yeah. Um, okay. So what led me to therapy? Mm. Um, like in reality, life can be really hard. Yep. And. Um, <laughs> I think it's important that we try not to resist what is. Okay. And I think most problems come from from when we resist what is. Mm. You know, we're trying to control things we can't control. We're fighting against the laws of nature. So um, to 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 get along in life in a codependent species we need to help each other so if we go through life i don't want your help i'm all right i'm strong everything's fine you're resisting nature mm. and this is what a lot of men do Absolutely. at the moment society has all these different pandemics in it forget you know vaccines and covid uh, you, you know, and, and one of them is this, you know, perception that you, know, you have to be strong and you can't show weakness. And so I spent a lot of my life repressing a lot of my emotions, trying to get ahead mm. and be successful. Um, and one thing business really teaches you is you can't do it alone. No. In a team sport, you can't do it alone. If you want to get to the moon, you can't do it alone. And so we're very much a, a codependent species where we need each other's help to survive, to thrive. And I, I think I was harbouring things like maybe things my parents did or didn't do. Maybe, you know, my perception of difficult situations. Mm. And I was wrestling against life, not understanding that all the resources I need to navigate this life with minimum friction are there. Mm. So podcasts, YouTubes, therapists, coaches, mentors, we have abundant resources, but we go along life <laughs> stubborn. and. <laughs> So I basically just, you know, some shit was happening before and through lockdown. Business was booming. I was making loads of money, but I was lonely and lost. And I couldn't work out the meaning of all of this, you know, mm. when the world is imploding around you. Because over 100 staff in lockdown and the mm. world was fucking imploding for us. I'm like, fucking hell, I need some help. Mm. You know, forget my ego. Forget the fact that I'm a man who's supposed to be able to solve it. Um, and I'm not looking for sympathy, but you know, when you're at the top, everyone's looking to you. God, save us. <laughs> and I'm not God, I'm just a man. And I'm fucking, uh, I'm crying. And, uh, and, and I'm quite an emotional guy. And so when, when you suppress all this, yeah. you, you just become a big ball of fucking stress and, uh, and scaredyness. I'm just like, fuck. Would, any of, would anyone have known that though? Like, no. Like walking into the office no. here, like. No. You were just pushing all that down, yeah. like, but inside you're like burning. Yeah. It's like having constipation and it just builds and it builds and it builds. And <laughs> fucking painful. Yeah, it is. It comes out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, 
Like, I believe that stress is the biggest cause of disease. Yeah. I mean, there are other things that are natural. No, I, th I think there's not. a lot of research that actually yeah. most of the, the common diseases that we have, they, they are literally born from stress. Mm. So, um, and over the years, I've got better at asking for help, i.e. I'll go on your course. I want to be a public speaker, go on someone's course. I want to do YouTube. Well, you know, get some YouTube mentors. And I got better at that. Mm. And, and that's how we got success in business. But then there's all the other areas of your life, like parenting and your relationships and your health. And I'm just like, I just need to accept that I don't know everything and I can't do everything. Again, self-awareness. Mm. And so, you know, in Peterborough, a therapist is like, my therapist, Sharon, she's fucking brilliant. She's 50 pound an hour. It's a bug. Why wouldn't you do it? So I just like... Uh, in, in the end, I, I just, I sat down with my senior team, my business partner. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm fucking struggling here. Mm. And I was getting really bitter and resentful about it because I didn't think anyone understood. And they were putting a lot of pressure on me and suppressing me. And, you know, not blaming anyone, but all this was going on. And there's COVID and lockdowns and you've got to fire everyone and business is fucked. And I was just like, I'm fucking struggling here. Mm. I need some help. And so, you know, you chat and then I'm just like, well, uh, I've done personal development. I've done courses. Give therapy a go. That was my attitude. So here's what I did. I phoned, I basically did all the research for all the therapists I could find in Peterborough and online. Mm. And I did a session with them all. I did like <laughs> seven sessions, but just did the same session with each of them. Yeah. Told them the same shit story of my life. Yeah. And some of them are like fixers. I remember like, I was, I, you know, I was having issues with my relationship, as we do. And this one lady, was she like, yeah. Just put on some lingerie and give us some flowers. I'm like, oh, all right, that's the secret to life then. Don't you think I'm... Tr so, like, so, and in the end, I just found the right balance between someone who'd listen, someone who's got, will give you guidance. I mean, therapy isn't really solution, solution, solution. No. I'm in the world of solution, solution. I can go to mentors for that. Mm. And it was fucking brilliant. I cannot recommend therapy enough to people. Mm. My mum has therapy. My mum's got chronic arthritis because she's re been repressing her emotions her whole fucking life. They yeah. manifest in physical in, ways in the yeah. body. She yeah. won't mind me saying that. Um, she, we're all struggling with shit. Um, it's all there. I, I, I could not recommend therapy enough. It doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean you're a you know a basket case. Mm. And this is why. It doesn't matter what people think because if you worry about what people think about you, you'll never do what you need to do to get ahead. Mm. Well, I better hand out a therapy in case that, and I better not interview that guest in case that, and I better not say that in case that. Yeah. And you can spend your whole life... <laughs> Whatever that means. I don't know what no. that Hurry, I'll edit if that I want to interview And <laughs> If I want to interview Andrew Tate, I'm going to do it. If I want to get a therapist, I'm going to do it. No, and, and I'm not... <laughs> look, I want to, you know, like, therapy for me, like, I've had therapy four times, like... So I'm a big advocate. And I, I would, obviously, for women, it's a lot easier to access that. They find it easier. It's just Well, just, women are great therapists. We are. Yeah. <laughs> we could turn this into yeah. a therapy session. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, you know, if I just, it just generally is. And women mm. generally find it easier to express their emotions. Yeah, and, and support each other emotionally. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I was brought up in a household where it was like, don't, what are you crying for? Yeah. You know, don't cry. We didn't hug. We didn't say, yeah. I loved you. I love you. So my brother... You know, he he's like, you know, what was he, nearly 60 now. Like, he still can't fucking show an emotion or mm. cry. Whereas I went to therapy in my 20s 
and I, you know, stopped suppressing all my shit and decided, no, I'm going to get this out. And I didn't know any different back then. It was like, I don't know, yeah. late 80s, early 90s, and I'm like, my doctor said you should do this, I'm going to go and do it. And then mm. it's like, oh, this is brilliant, I feel great. Well, surely therapy is better than fucking taking pharmaceutical drugs. Absolutely, but, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't. And it's, but my point is really to get back is like, is men often won't go and do it. And, you know, and, you know, there are, you know, when we come back to like mental health, we think about mental health as a narrative right now. Like, do you think we're overcooking it? Do you think we're not still not talking about it enough? I think, I think there's um, polarised extremes. So you know what, what you said earlier, which I really believe, mm. everything exists in a paradox. Yeah. I really believe I that. I believe that. So um, mental health. On the one hand, paradoxically, we have a lot of very extreme, genuine mental health issues. Mm. Men, women, children, you name it. Um, and it could be PTSD, chronic PTSD. It could just be how we're evolving as a species where, you know, we're struggling. A lot of it is linked to how we feed ourselves, mm. you know, and there's a lot to go into, but, but yeah, a lot of people are genuinely struggling. Um, and then on the other side, everyone's fucking triggerable over <laughs> anything and everything. It, and it's used as an excuse to get off work. And it's used as a way to get engagement on social media and, and clickbait. And almost in a way used as a weapon um, to attack for the left to attack the right or, or, mm. or vice versa and I've, I've not I've equally not seen so many people with genuine problems mentally and so many people with no problems at all and creating a fu an, a, a, a mass load of issues that aren't real that mm. don't exist because of extreme wokeism or in a lot of ways, it's created by how social media is set up. Mm. And, you know, social media wants to us to consume, and us to stay on, and, yeah. you know, all these dopamine hits all the time. And so what's happening is, you know, we're getting constantly triggered, good and bad, and it's all short-term, and we're therefore not doing anything meaningful. You know, John Demartini always said to me, you need to fill yourself with important priorities. Mm. Otherwise, the world and other people will fill you with their priorities. Yeah. And you'll be doing very low-value priorities if you not, are not clear on your high-value priorities. Mm. So with social media, I do it for business. I'm all over it, and I'm on it, and I'm in control of it, and I'm creating on it. But if you're not careful with social media... You become a consumer, yeah. and they're monetizing you, and you're just uh, yeah, you're just like a zombie. Uh, so we've got these paradoxes going on, and, and and so this mental health is and isn't an issue, and we've got both extremes. You know, I have people in my office who are genuinely ill, and I have extremely weak, entitled people who are taking the piss using mental health mm. as the card. You you get it both, mm. so that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, and I guess that that happens, doesn't it? When things are thrown into the spotlight, you're, you're go that's going to happen. It's just naturally going to happen. You're going to get both sides of the coin crop up and you know rise up. 
but it's create. But for me, it's creating the awareness around the people that genuinely need it. And obviously, for me, like you know, definitely more men need to kind of lean into yeah. that and show more emotion and and access therapy. Um, and we, you know, the pandemic. God knows, you know, what the hell that. Who knows what what's the truth about all of that and when mm. that will ever come out. But I do think that. We, you know, for me, it's getting away from the, the blokes and I look at my brother and what you were saying about you is about suppressing all of that, mm. that emotion and really feeling stuff and really being able to express it sooner rather than later when, mm. you know, when crisis really is, you know, emerging. So for you going through therapy, has it changed you in a way that does, does it like, what's my question here really? I mean, what what were the real benefits for you to go in there and just go, like, share? Or did you naturally just go and sit on that couch and go, mm. this is my problems, got problems at work, problems at home, problems wherever? Or was it like, actually, this really took some work for me to be able to, to do it, to get across the threshold and to sit there and actually really be who most people don't get to see? and really be really vulnerable and be honest. Because there, is only so, there are some things, I think, within all of us that we will only say, like, I know there's some things that I've never said to anyone else that only my therapist knows. Mm. I don't know if that's the same for you, but I know that's the case for me. Because although I know therapy is really good for me, I have actually really still struggled to say some of those things to other people. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, th therapy for me was a relatively easy process to go through. Mm. But obviously, you know, you're going through shit in your life. Mm. But that aside, the process of therapy for me was fairly easy. Mm. I.e., Sharon lives three miles away. And I, she opens the door, all right, Rob. And she goes, so, talk to me. <laughs> And if you could projectile vomit your life, that was, that was how I was doing. Yeah. And, you know, and at first it was literally just like this massive release. All the way, my whole life of the things I'd stored up and suppressed. Now, look, we're all different. Mm. Some people are suppressive. Some people are aggressive. Some people, you know they show no emotion. Some people, they show too much emotion. So we've all, we're all different. Mm. So therapy is going to be different for everyone. But, but for me, it was just like, okay, right, I'm here. All right, I'm doing this. F feel pretty safe. Um, and just... <laughs> and so I would have two, three sessions a week for the first couple of weeks when we were right in the thick of lockdown, COVID, business issues, personal issues, blah. And, and then over time, you start, you know, so then I'd be like, well, what's our goal for doing this? And mm. um, can I ask you a question? And, what would you do in this scenario? And what should I do here? And see, see those kind of questions, they're more for a mentor. Because mm. therapists don't, aren't really there to fix. No. Um, but you need to get to that point. You know, in order to fix a problem, you need to diagnose it well. Mm. So therapy for me was, you know, really good diagnosis. Um, 
And so no, it was a, a relatively, I mean, I would sit there and time would just fly. And, it'd be, and Sharon would be like, sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> you know, it, this happens. is time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I found it a really therapeutic experience. I found it really good. And it, it was a level beyond personal development for me. Because, mm. you know, personal development, you know, you're learning tools and skills and perceptions and outcomes. I find with therapy, you know, you're really digging deep to who you are based on, you know, how you've been raised. Mm, of which, course, it all goes back to childhood. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and so in that regard, personal development and therapy are different and both have their place. And, you know, as someone who's entrepreneurial and living up to this expectation, um, it's like solution, solution, solution. So Was it that expectation, though, that like before the pandemic and all that stuff, was that like part of the weight, the weight for you yeah. then and going into therapy and stuff like that? It was like, like actually, like, yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I'm everyone's just... looking to me, Rob, fix these issues. And um, it's that weight. Yeah, and, it's, and, and that's that weight, but, but... Generally, do you thrive on that, do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm a lot stronger now in the sense that you can give me a lockdown, you can give me a crisis, you can give me a disaster. Obviously not on the typhoon or earthquake natural level, but you know what mm. I mean in yeah. terms of navigating business. And I feel like I'm pretty strong and can handle most, if not all of it. Mm. But a lot of handling it is getting help mm. and getting support. Um, and, and again, it's sort of, people call all of this, you know, oh, being vulnerable and all of that. I don't know, I think... It, in some ways, yeah, maybe. But in some ways, that's overcooking it. Like I said, I think it's just self-awareness. Why is being vulnerable overcooking it then? Why do well, you see that? It, it, it's, it's sort of become a meme and it's, you know, obviously Brené Brown, there's a big movement on vulnerability. But, you know, the big push on vulnerability is like there's this expectation to be or not be a certain way. When in reality, you are like a chessboard mm. and you're always moving pieces around. And you're just always trying to figure things out. And sometimes you can make such a thing of a thing that it becomes a thing. Mm. And so it's all overcooked and overplayed. Um, you know... We can experience life with loads of friction and resistance fighting against nature, or we can go with speed and low friction going with nature. Mm. Go and ask for help when you need it. Mm. It's not a big thing. You know, it's a, you know sometimes we, we do make a big song and dance over things that we don't really need to make a big song and dance about. Mm. You know, if it's, if it's cold in your car, you turn the heating on. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm simplifying things, mm. but it's like, if we look at life that way, in a fairly pragmatic, practical way, what we don't do is get really emotional and overplay things. Because this is part of the human ex experience is that we do that. You know, we, we pedestalise people and make them heroes. Or, you know, we're just really scared because everything's really important. When in reality, life is just life. Just be aware and move the pieces of the chessboard. Mm. 
Did you know, I, I had this boxing fight, didn't I? Yeah. And like this, it's on my list. in sport, <laughs> in sport, there's so much weight put on winning. It's mm. definitely in America. Now, yeah. look, don't get me wrong. Paradox of life. The other way. Well, don't worry. Just take part. You know, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not really a fan of that either. But like. I raised nearly 250,000 with the guy I fought. We had 1,800 people in the room. Of course I trained hard, of course I tried hard. But d- d- did it really matter if I won or lose? No, I'm just participating in life. I, I, I don't, uh, you, you, you know, with, with, with boxing, fighting, you know, there's already pressure there because mm. it's pugilism, because you are fighting a human. So the last thing you need to do is heap a whole load more pressure on yourself. And you, know, you see this in sport all the time with people who've got the talent, but there's all the pressure, pressure from the yeah. media and their families and the agents. And in whatever they do, there's just pressure. You know, in fighting, for example, you know, people get tense and they're not free and natural. So, so it was a big thing in some ways, but in some ways it was just life. I have. There's a lot of controversy, though. Not controversy. I don't know if that's the right word, but there was a lot of. What's the word? You know, there was a lot of niggle around that fight, wasn't there? There was a lot. I mean, of, that's what fighting is, niggle. But yeah, but I was listening to a couple of boxers on Talk Sport the other day, because that's pretty much all I listened to in the car. And I think I forget the guy's name, but there was no niggle there between those There's two. There's nearly always niggle. But it's, it's it was so refreshing. Yeah. I know, and maybe some people think that's wrong. It's like, oh, two guys have got all this respect. How are they going to get in the ring and bash the, you know, yeah. the hell out of each other for all this money? Mm. But actually, it was actually for me, it felt really refreshing. And mm. you know, but yeah, in boxing, we know it's a, it's aggressive. At the end of the day, there's a lot of niggle. But I mean, it is fighting. It is fighting. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure it, how I feel about it. it to it, be honest it's with you, fighting. but it's like. It, it, you know, I get that in some areas all this beef can be created and, and, and it's a little bit vacuous and superficial. But, you know, we're fighting. Mm. You know, we're, we're trying to knock each other out. And I was trying to knock him the fuck out. <laughs> uh, and he was trying to knock me the fuck out. You know, there was, so all was the, there a genuine, like... The niggle was real. The niggle The was- beef was real. You know, I know in a lot of instances in the big world of social media, a lot of it is staged. Mm. By the way, a lot of it isn't. Mm. You know, I just um, interviewed John Fury and, you know, and he's, he's like, none of it is staged. I do my absolute best just to let the boys be at the conference, but I just get so angry when they say stuff and I can't help but flip tables. And it's just who I am and I'm really sorry. But And, and you can see it's, it's genuine because you're in heated, testosterone-driven mm. fighting environment. So, yeah, our beef was real. None of it was staged. Um, but of course, we're sort of playing a media game. Mm. But the way I see it is, what we were doing was raising a quarter of a million pounds for charity. Mm. And, and, and so, in, to a certain degree, we, we need to sell that. So, you know, a big part of the, you know, the promotion of it is selling that. But, you know, like, does it matter if I won or lost? Not really. Yeah, but you wanted to knock, you wanted to knock him the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, so of course like, I did. So I, I want to participate. So, you know, this is linked back to your question about vulnerability and just how big of a thing we make it. It's like winning. Just how much of a big of a thing have we make it? Self-awareness. Move the pieces in the chessboard. Try and control these strong emotions that we have and navigate life. 
with maximum speed and minimum friction. Mm. You know, I always talk about it with money. Money loves speed, money hates friction. Mm. Well, I don't know what you think about life and nature, but if you think about it, it's pretty fucking amazing that we're in this infinite universe where virtually anything from a thought can be created and manifested into a reality. Mm. Wow. Look, look at how much the universe has got your back and rewards you. You know, you will never fail if you follow the, your, the laws of the, the universe. Mm. You know, you want to get strong, follow the laws of the universe. You know, train, train hard, but rest, recover, eat well. You get rewarded. And, and to me, that's, that's an amazing thing. But the problem is we've got the universe and nature, which is infinitely wise, and then we've got humanity, which are infinitely thick as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and we think we know better than nature. But I think nature. most people don't realise. That's the bit. We don't fucking realise how so, stupid so you know, we people, are. Like. People are like, oh, Rob Moore's arrogant and all that. No, no, humanity is arrogant. <laughs> humanity is thick as fuck. In some ways, we're super intelligent because we're a reflection of nature and an expression mm. of nature. But in other ways, we're just so unself-aware. And so this is why I, I think, you know, th these discussions we have, which I think are really important because mm. we're trying to figure shit out, is self-awareness. When am I high? When am I low? How do I work with the universe for maximum speed and minimum friction? Mm. Okay. Like I, like I do think we're, like, when you talk about the universe and you talk about the human race, like we often f we, we think we're the be-all and end-all. We think we're the bloody bee's knees. Mm the donkey's nuts and all of whatever yeah. else you want to say, but we forget that there is some far greater power at, at you know, like when we're nothing compared and, to the universe. We need the bees. We yeah. need the cows. Yeah. We need the grass. I mean, you know, we're so reliant on oxygen and water and yeah, yeah we should self-awareness again, but you know, humility. Mm. It's not, the human race is not that good at humility. Mm. Well, the human race is not not good at a lot of things. I just think we were a bit we're a bit skewed right now. Mm. That's how I feel about mm. the human race. It's just like not myself included. Like, I'm, yeah. You know, I just think we're all a little bit skewed, and I think you know the things that we drive for and the things that we strive for are all a little bit skewed. Mm. Um, and I guess like for you, like what what continues to drive you is it that piece that you said right at the beginning when we were talking about obviously getting your message out there and going on all these podcasts because you know like we said at the beginning you don't need to you know you've got a good life you know from on paper wife two kids happy nice cars nice house god knows how many books now is it i don't know 18 or something uh, it was about seven last time i looked I think it was about 80 you know on paper you don't need to do anything really i mean i know we all need a purpose and yeah. I, I absolutely believe in that ikigai japanese mm. word for purpose we yeah. all need to have something that yeah. fulfills us and actually serves the world but yeah it, but some of us are more driven than others and you're and as far as i from me outside looking in you're a really driven individual you know, no one. You know, you've written a lot of books in a short space of time, relatively, really. Mm. I think to a lot of authors, you've done a hell of a lot of podcasts. You know, all of your courses and everything you do, there's you you churn out so much stuff. So there has to be a lot of drive there. Mm. So where does that drive stem from within you? Where do you think that stems from within you? I don't know if that's ever something you spoke about in therapy or whether it was yeah. other things. And what continues to keep it pushing forward? Because I've worked, like, I've worked with um, some professional athletes, Olympians. I used to moderate rooms for Dame Kelly Holmes. I know what a driven individual can be like. Mm. Uh, and it's quite interesting. 
And I, I guess so that for you, like you're a high performing, high achieving individual, where's that drive stem from initially and what keeps it going? Yeah. So again, this is one of another one of the amazing paradoxes of this universe that we're borrowing. Because on the one hand, if you are raised in, in a loving, nurturing environment, mm. you're not going to be a successful human in the way we measure, such as making money and building things and getting good at stuff. You're going to be well-adjusted. Mm. You're going to be balanced. But you ain't going to be great. Because greatness comes from pain. And so, why am I so driven all the time, other than because the universe needs me, just like it needs everyone to fulfil mm. its purpose, is because I was lonely as a child and left alone a lot when I was one. And... I was overweight when I was at school, really overweight, and I felt lost and unloved and unnoticed and not respected and ostracized and bullied and useless. Mm. And this is, you know, this is just, and by the way, I love my parents. My parents worked really hard, but you know, they ran pubs and they just had to leave me upstairs because they couldn't, couldn't get by any other way. Um, so, and, and this came out in therapy. I mean, I knew I, my overweight fatness as a, a kid had, you know, had caused some issues because I lost all the weight, but I still had all the emotional Still baggage. got the wings, yeah. Because you think, you know, well, I'll lose weight, that'll be better, but yeah. you can lose weight, but you can't lose who you are. And, and so I certainly, I knew of that because I've done a lot of work on therapy and stuff like that because I used to be ignorant to all of this. Um, but yeah, that's, so basically... What's, this upbringing in me creates a big void. And so, you know, we, you know we talk about the word fulfill. Mm. To fill full. Well, if you're already full because you've been showered with love, you have nothing to prove and not much to do. Mm. And you're just going to exist and be on this planet in this universe. Um, Clearly, that's necessary. Mm. Otherwise, this human wouldn't exist. But this guy over here has got an empty bucket in his soul. Clearly, there's a use and a function for me as well. Otherwise, I because I'm I try and be quite pragmatic. If there's no point, then there's no point. Mm. So if I'm not needed, I'm not needed. So clearly, I'm needed. Otherwise, I wouldn't be. Mm. Okay, fine. So then. You know, for, if you're, when you're full and you're satisfied, you don't need to strive anymore. Mm. You know, just like when you eat and you're satiated. So, you, you know, you've got this interconnected society whereby, well, these people are, are full and full of love and, you know, all there coexisting. These fuckers are building the bridges and fighting the wars <laughs> and, you know, building Tesla and <laughs> doing a, millions of podcasts. And we need these fuckers, otherwise nothing would get built and done. Mm. But clearly we need these people as well, because I guess there's, there's wisdom um, in these. So, because, you know, John Demartini would say to me, you can never do anything wrong with your children. And I'm like, well, that, that confuses me. Because he's like, you know, whatever you do, 
is an expression of your own love, yeah. however you raise your children. And so whatever environment your children are in, you're raising them to be a useful human. You shower them with love, they're useful in some way and useless in others. Mm. You're strict and you're hard on them. You know, John Fury's dad, really strict on him, whipping him all the time. John, really strict with his kids. And he's raised fucking world champion boxers. Yeah. So c- clearly, you know, that's right. That's right. Obviously, you know, when it gets into abuse and things like that, that that's where, you know, I don't agree with it and, and it's wrong. Um. So that's, I, I, I'm fully aware that my soul is an infinite universe with a hole in it. Mm. And no matter how many books, I'm going to keep writing books. <laughs> and they ain't going to make, they're, they're not going to solve it's my soul's problems in my soul, but they're useful. And so I used to hate that about myself, you know, that I was broken, mm. that I was useless that people didn't like me or respect me or, or, or even that, you know, that I just had all these feelings. I felt such shame. I hated myself. But what I've learned over the years is this is all the makeup of me and I can learn to fight against these laws of nature. I'm broken. I need fixing. This is not right. That's fighting against nature. Mm. No one's fucking broken. This is the paradox of therapy. Mm. You go to therapy to be fixed, but you're not broken. You yeah. are you. And so, so I learned in the end, it's like, stop fucking resisting the universe. I am me. I love me. <laughs> I'm, I'm useful. I'm valuable. Figure it out. And that's why I do what I do. But now you've had some therapy. Oh, I don't know if you're still in therapy. In therapy. In therapy. <laughs> I mean, look, look I'm... We're all... Well... Yeah. Anyway. A bit like, um, you know, addicts. You know, let's take a day at a time, even, yeah. if you, even if you haven't had a drug for 20 years. So, you know, look, I, I will always use therapy if the tool is required at the time to help me move my navigate chest yeah, yeah through whatever you're trying to yeah. and i get but since that time like does it feel like the soul has got less of a bigger hole yeah it does actually um and uh, i'm not sure this is good so could you um, oh yeah go on i know a load of fighters yeah and basically um when they get girlfriends and money they their fighting career just is over. Mm. What, what takes them to the top in fighting, this is the paradox, mm. is beating up on the streets, you yeah. know, from the hood, training like an animal. But then, you know, they get some success, they get some bling, they get distracted, they get a girlfriend, they go, oh, you don't really need to do this the whole time. I'm not criticising girlfriends, I'm just saying that this is the nature of it. And they rise and they fall. Mm. So... You know, the way I see myself is, in some ways, I am looking to fix myself because I want to navigate the world with minimum friction, i.e. I want to feel good. I don't want to always be in constant state of triggered. Mm. But then on the other hand, I'm not broken. Mm. I'm just me. So if, like, for example, you know, a lot of my friends talk about, well, you know, maybe we should try ayahuasca and 
you know, do all this. I'm really scared of doing stuff like that. <laughs> I want to do it, but I'm scared too. Right. Maybe we should go together. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'm actually not scared because of health or anything like that. I'm scared it will change me. Because well, it, it can have like, it's like psychedelics, isn't yeah. it? It can have that like instant What change. if I have it's this like... big thing and there's no ego and everything is love yeah. and everything is oneness and I come back home and I'm like, well, I don't need any of this. The drive's yeah, gone. Yeah, it's just selling this company. I don't need it. In fact, let's just give it away because I love everyone. That shit scares me. Yeah. So, in some ways, you, you're going to want to be, again, self-awareness. Who am I? What am I? How can I adapt, evolve, improve? But you're not broken. But, it, like, so if, like, you were saying, like, it's, it's not necessarily a good thing that the whole, the whole is kind of less lessened, like, the whole is not so big in the soul yeah. anymore. Has that impacted your drive? Because surely, like that hole that's there within you, those wounds, like say they've been your driver. Yeah, your pain has been your driver, which is what coincidentally the thing that you said to me. I don't know if you remember this when we spoke years ago, and I was saying like I want to go into coaching, but I don't want to do all this bloody studying. And you were like, your pain is your experience. Mm. Your pain is your message. Like I really clearly remember that. So thank you for mm. that. And so clearly here, your pain has really been your driver. Mm. But now you're kind of and I. You're trying to lessen some of that, what you've been feeling. And I guess the pain was maybe quite specific around that time, in terms of work, mm. relationships, stuff like that. But has it, and you say the hole has closed a little bit and that's yeah. maybe not a good thing. Does that mean that your drive is lessened or not so? Well, I think there's things that we can control. Mm. And then I think that there's just organic situational things. So for example, age. Age is an organic situational thing that you can't change. And you go, th you, you clearly do go through stages in your life. And, and you can't work building factories and writing a million books when you're 92. Yeah. So I'm 44 now, I'm not 21. You know, mm. I, I, I had this fight with this guy. He's 31, I'm 44, he's a lot bigger than me. And someone said to me, you know, he's just young and really hungry. And, and, and in a way he was right, because I'm hungry, but was I as hungry as him? I mean, mm. I'm really hungry, but he's younger and maybe hungrier because he's at a different stage mm. in his life. So as you go through life and endure challenges and, and try and grow, and you try and adapt and strengthen to this, sometimes the, the way you do that is more acceptance. Mm. Like, there's problems every day in this company. And okay. a lot of the time, I'm just like, well, it is what it is. And suppose, ah, fuck, shit, got to fix everything. Ah, constantly fucking digging. Ah, that is what it is. We'll let that be. And we've got a, a big issue at the moment around someone acting like a fucking diva. And, like, I want to fix it. It won't take my calls. It blocks, blocked on everything. It's completely solvable. It's ridiculous. And so I'm trying to phone him from someone else's phone and trying to sort of figure it all out. And in the end, I thought, oh, I'll let the weekend go. It will be what it will be. Mm. So you've got the hustle and the grind. But as you get older, you realise, because um, it was Charlie Munger, 90-odd-year-old billionaire. He was asked, what's the secret to life? And, and Charlie went, <laughs> low expectations. <laughs> and the, as you get older, you know, when you're young, you have such high expectations. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have this perfect partner. And I'm going to, and of course, the higher the expectation, the worse the reality. Yeah. And then as you get much older, you flip because of the paradox of life. You know, well, you can never be unhappy if you don't expect anything. Which, when you're young, seems like such a defeatist, mm. broken attitude. But when you're old, 
It's wisdom. Mm. So this is the paradox I embrace, whereby, yeah, I probably am losing some of my hunger. I probably could have a billion dollar company. I've definitely got the energy for it. Um, but I just wonder if I'm kind of quite comfortable as well. And, and mm. you know, I'm pretty happy and things are going quite well. So, yeah, you're probably right. I'm probably fi fixing myself, but losing, the, yeah, losing the drive. Mm. And does comfort, like, because you're more comfortable now, you said. And is that when you say you're oh, I'm more comfortable now, is that, are you more comfortable with yourself and your yeah. thoughts and, yeah. you know, being vulnerable? I know we, we've yeah. spoken about that word. So there's a comfort in being Rob Moore, yeah. but there's also a comfort, a financial comfort and, yeah. you know, a business comfort, really. Like, the businesses will run. You know, you've got the staff, you've got yeah. the people. Yeah, situationally and yeah. environmentally, I have an outrageous amount of opulent comfort. But I'm also aware that that's a dangerous place to go mm. because it can create complacency and apathy and there's issues there. Mm. So, you know, going back to the boxing, the books, you know, you build a life, you struggle, you create some comfort, and then in the end, that all starts to decay. Even the pyramids will rot away one day. Mm. So rather than fighting against the law of nature, you know, which is growth and decay, nothing stays the same, it's, no. it's everything is uh, growing or dying, it's birth and death. So I try and create that in my life. Well, growth, building, all right, now that's probably going to decay over time. So move on to some new challenge, growth, building. So it's like constantly building and then the universe like a sandcastle when the tide <laughs> comes in. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes I do think like, why do we bother building fucking sandcastles? Because <laughs> you put all that work in and then, then the sand just washes away. Just washes away but that's the human thing. We build it, nature decays it. So we build it again, and nature decays it. And that's how I'm trying to live my life. I build shit, do shit, make shit happen. And then as soon as I get ap apathetic and complacent and go into atrophy, onto something else. Let's have a charity boxing match. Oh, let's chill. Oh, apathetic, lazy. Right, let's do this. So it's that ebb and flow, isn't it? Yeah. That we just, you know, is natural part of life and mm. nature anyway, isn't it? Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm aware of time, so um, just, I guess, maybe a couple of short or quick questions before we finish. I guess, um, really, like, what's the ultimate success, I guess, for you? Because it might seem like a dumb question, really, although there are no dumb questions. What, what do you feel massively successful as a human being? I feel like a great paradox because life is a great paradox. On the one hand, I think, God, there are billionaires out there and there are amazing athletes and there are all these inspiring people. There are amazing artists. Mm. And I'm just like, wow, I'm so in awe of all this greatness. Look at little old pathetic me. <laughs> and then on the other hand, I'm like, wait a minute, I am human too. Mm. And I wasn't born into wealth. And I built my empire out of nothing. And I've got 340 property rental units and 1,350 tenants written a fucking load of books and done all these tick, 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 tick. Now, I see these as long as a scroll. 
I'm like, wow, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Doing all right, bow, chicka, bow, wow. And I sort of cycle through that. And I think that that's how it should be. People are amazing, I'm amazing. People do stupid things, I do stupid things. So, also, um, what is success? And I think sometimes my problem is that I define my success by being the entrepreneur and what I do, you know, mm. what I make and what I build. And my therapist always said to me, but, but, rub, 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 rub. Um, you know, you are enough. You don't need to prove anything. Mm. You know, you are all, you are a successful human. You know, you are kind, you are good uh, and all of this. And, and when you strip away all the accolades, I'm like naked there and I feel all, really, mm. So I'm aware of that paradox, whereby I have to be careful that I'm not creating all this protection around me by layering up all these achievements. Mm. And, you know, this is my identity. This is why when people retire from sport, they get lost and confused. And, you know, this is why when people leave the militaries, they find civilian life really hard. Mm. Because they, their identity is what Wrapped they up, do. Yeah, what they do, yeah. Not who they are. Mm. And I'm trying to dance and juggle with this paradox. I want to do useful shit. I want to feel good. I want to drive towards some measure of success. But I also want to be careful not to get into the trap of that defining me. Mm. Because if you think back to, you know, early days, when did Progressive start? What oh, 1921, <laughs> yeah, um, 2007. So I think I must have known you from the start, I'm sure. Yeah. I was, I'm pretty sure. And, the, and you're, I mean, at that point, you would have thought, right, to make our success is going to be, I don't Three know. grand a month, I'd yeah. have been happy with that back then. Yeah, and that, yeah. now you're here, and you're yeah. like, and of course success is subjective. It's like everyone's, you know, I don't particularly feel like a successful individual, but that, you know, this is not my therapy session. Mm. It's not yours either, <laughs> no. but you know what I mean? But, you know, yeah. everyone defines success differently. And it's mm. it's just interesting to know from, you know, like I'm interviewing a, a couple of people this month around like high achievers, Claude Silver, I don't, she works with Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm. She's his right-hand person. Right. Um, it's what drives these people and what they see success as. Now, Claude mm. is a very different person to you. Mm. Um, she leads from the heart, I'm not saying you don't, because I actually think that you do more than I probably thought you did. Mm. Um, but it's like, where, where's the ultimate success? Because I think, we, I think it's important for us to feel like successful human beings, like we're living a successful life, but on the one hand, that can be very personal. Like for me, ultimately, a successful life is that I have a peace of mind, that I'm kind, I, you know, my intentions are always good, I mm. guess is probably the ultimate. So that's about clarity of defining what success is. Exactly. Because I believe we, we, you know, if none of a, like, if you think of a game of chess, all right, there are pawns and there are queens, but there's a game and there's a board and you need all the pieces to play the game. If you mm. didn't have all the pieces, you couldn't play the game. And I see the world and humanity like that. We're all useful and valuable and needed. Otherwise, we wouldn't be on the board of life. Mm. So I think whilst life is very um, nuanced and what deeply complicated i th i think success is defining what success means to you which means defining how you can be the most useful and valuable and if you're a pawn be the best pawn and if you're a queen be yeah. the best queen and find out what that is and then try and be an exemplar of that mm. um, and 
So the reason there's a lot of judgment in the world is because your definition of a success is really different to mine. Mm. So, you know, because I remember a, um, an ex-FBI agent, he says, even the people in the Taliban who cut people's heads off in front of videos are doing it in the name of virtue and their family. You know, so they think that they're on some mission. So I think it's be really clear on what your life's work and your mission is. And it's not necessarily about being busy and being a lemming. If it's being kind and being, you know, a good example to your parents, Mm. sorry, to your children, cool. If it's building skyscrapers in Dubai, cool. If it's making battery-powered cars, cool. If it's campaigning to, you know, get rid of gambling and debt, cool. But the clarity of what it is Mm. means you're removing the friction and you're not fighting against nature. Mm. So ultimate success for you then? Ultimate success for me is helping as many people on this planet get better financial education and knowledge. And that's where we started. And that's where we started. And that seems like a good place to end. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And just as a quick bit of feedback... So what are you going to go and say to the people who say that Rob Moore's a dick and he's arrogant? (laughs) And do you you, um, regret or not regret doing this podcast? No, I don't I don't I don't regret it. Um, You know, like I said, I'm I I believe in we all need to be more curious, especially about the people that we find difficult. Mm. And I often say that if I'm with coaching clients or working with clients, I often say, well, you know, I, I remember I had this really, this woman, high, big pension company director, all worked with all men, they were all dickheads according to her. Mm. And, and, I, and I was like, uh, my challenge to her was like, just go and find out about these people. Like, before you, you know, you got all this judgment about these people that actually don't really spend a lot of time mm. with. Once a month, you sit around a boardroom table mm. together and have these conversations, but they're all dickheads. Uh, and that was my <laughs> challenge to her. I was like, just go and be freaking curious mm. because, and I believe in that. It's like if someone triggers you, you feel, you know, when you walk in a room that, that there's discomfort there, then that we should lean into that, mm. as Brenny Brown would say, mm. uh, and get more curious about about people. And and that was a reason for me. It's like actually, you know, uh, there is only a surface level that I know about you and mm. now I know a little bit more but I probably could sit and talk to you for a few days before I even felt like I'd actually really dug a little bit even deeper but mm. yeah I you know I've asked you some questions that I wanted to ask maybe there's some more that I'd like to ask but we haven't got all day um but yeah no well, like, on your 500th episode let's do a round <laughs> yeah and I guess just like and hopefully you know get this little bit in the in the in the podcast is, you know, like I, I talk about it starts with you and I don't know if you remember me talking about my podcast to you. I think we were in London, London somewhere. I can't remember why. Sat in a pub and I said to you, I want to watch what I call the podcast. I'm thinking about it. It starts with you. It all starts with you. And you're like, just try and keep it shorter. Like, because yeah. I had these five versions of it. And so it's I... It's a great name. Yeah, I start yeah. with it starts with you. Um, and because I feel like we have to take responsibility. We, it's that being accountable to yeah. ourselves. That's ultimately what it comes down to, us all being accountable for ourselves. It's that self-awareness piece. Mm. Of, that's probably why I bang on about that. So it's like, I guess I want to ask a question ar- around that, but I, I'm not really clear what my question is around that. Is that, I guess, like for me, I just, I just think it always just always comes back to us being accountable for whatever fuck up we've made, yeah. if we've upset somebody, if our intention actually wasn't as honourable as we hoped it would be, if we're not feeling so great, it's our responsibility to 
get some help or ask for help or whatever. It's taking ownership of this mm. life that we've given and this person that we are. Yeah, completely agree. Amen. <laughs>